0: God has a university. It's a small school, few enroll, even fewer graduate. Very, very few indeed. God has this school because he does not have broken men and women. Instead, he has several other types of people. He has people who claim to have God's authority and don't. People who claim to be broken and aren't. And people who do have God's authority, but who are mad and unbroken. And he has, regretfully, a great mixture of everything in between. All of these he has in abundance, but broken men and women? Hardly at all. In God's sacred school of submission and brokenness, why are there so few students? Because all students in this school must suffer much And as you might guess, it is often the unbroken ruler whom God sovereignly picks, who meets out the pain. David was once a student in this school, and Saul was God's chosen way to crush David. David. Hello, everyone, and welcome to B-Sides. This is the episode for 1 Samuel chapters 18 through 31: How to Duck Spears. That opening was a quote from A Tale of Three Kings. And as you've heard me say before, and as I said at church, please read that book if you want to see the story of David in a way you've never seen it before. And it is, indeed, one of those few books that you want to read more than once because it does something to your soul. In this episode, I'm going to be interviewing Pastor Tanner Payne from Calvary Chapel, Running Springs. And David is his favorite character. He, like me, has read A Tale of Three Kings multiple times. And so we will be discussing King David and uh, elements of that book. But don't worry if you have not read the book. It is not a prerequisite for enjoying this interview. Lots of great insights coming from Pastor Tanner Payne. But first, as we do... Each time, we're going to summarize the message from Sunday. Ready? Go. We covered a lot of chapters because I wanted to see the story in its entirety. It's a story of how David is pursued by King Saul out of jealousy after he defeats the, the, the giant Goliath. Why is he on the run? Why is this anointed king of God not permitted to the throne? Because God has a plan to break David, to teach David how to use real power so that when he reaches the throne, he will not rule like King Saul. There's a King Saul in all of us. And in order for us to rule effectively in God's kingdom, that man must die. So twice, Saul throws a spear at David. And then twice, David gets a chance to spare Saul. So we see that Saul is the spear chucker. David is the spear ducker. Saul spears people. David spares people. He puts the results in God's hands, and so should we. All right, I'm here with Pastor Tanner Payne from Calvary Chapel, Running Springs. Tanner moved up here, uh, over two years ago to take over Calvary Chapel, Running Springs, and before that, he was involved with Patmos, a Bible college boot camp, uh, for over four years, and he's still part of that, and so Tanner has come, uh, to talk to us about King David, whom, Tanner, you've said is your favorite character in the Bible. He's my favorite, yes. (laughs) So, as we go through David in Samuel, um, I... First person that came to mind was Pastor Tanner. <laughs> so Tanner, I wanna know, what was the first what first drew you to David?
1: Um, what first drew me to David, uh man, I, I started reading First Samuel shortly after I got saved and and I think, uh, not to be cliche, but that he had that heart after God, right? He just loved the Lord. And I could go on and on about things that drew me to David, but he was just real with God. Like, he, he wasn't putting up a front, though he made his mistakes. He had his shortcomings. Um, he, was, he was transparent with the Lord. He was brutally honest. He came to God when he sinned. He didn't think he was uh, more righteous than thou. He, he was just real with the Lord and, and just how he lived his life. And led and sought to please God. Uh, it was inspiring to me. It was encouraging. Um,
0: Why was it encouraging? It,
1: it's just encouraging that you know God, though He He calls us, yeah, be perfect for I am perfect. There's a reality. None of us are perfect. And David, hmm. he, he shows us the 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 reality of the human. Nature and and that we do make mistakes and we do fall short, but God loves us anyways. The the grace that we see in David's life is is just uh, uh, amazing. It's uh, very similar that we to, to the grace that we see throughout the the New Testament. Um, God has always been a God of grace, but we see that in David's life that there is redemption when we fall short and we make mistakes. And uh, I just I just love that about the character of David, even though he fell, he made. A- a bunch of mistakes it wasn't just yeah. with Bathsheba and Uriah uh but he always knew where to look and he knew where to, to, to look back to God and that God was always going to be faithful to, to pick him back up and put him back on his feet
0: I, I like one of the things you were saying about him uh earlier is I, I, the word came to me authenticity yeah no David it's an authentic word. person yeah like, yeah he's real with God I'm right like, this is how I feel this is yes I right. messed up um because uh, when we looked at King Saul, we noticed how inauthentic that is. Yeah, he's is. fake. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, all about, fake. like, I'm taller than everybody. Right, I'm right, right. Looking. He's all about the image. Yeah. Keeping, yes. Right. Keeping that image and yeah. that status up. Yeah. That's a that's such a powerful lesson, I think, David uh, draws us into, is yeah. This authenticity.
1: Yeah. And thinking about that, um, it, you remember when Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7 that there will be many... Uh, on that day that call me lord lord and he says i never knew you depart from me he doesn't say that uh they didn't know him he says i never knew you meaning I never got real with you or you never got real with me. I, I never experienced you. I never had an intimate relationship with you. Wow. It's not that they <laughs> didn't know God. It's it's that God didn't know them. They, they never were transparent. They were never authentic, uh, mm. which I think is 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 exactly what you were just saying with David. He was real. He was authentic. He got real with God. He was transparent. He admitted his flaws, as he said. My sin is always before me. Like, it, it, I, I know who I am. Yes. <laughs> I know I'm fallen and I'm in need. Of forgiveness.
0: You know, what's so cool about that is we are drawn to Psalms where he's honest yes, like that, like absolutely. Psalm 51, yeah. you know, creating me a clean heart after he sins. It, it, I find that so interesting that we find ourselves drawn to David's weakness. Yeah, And yet we live life thinking that people will repel us if we live like that. Right. It's that- the fear of man. Thank <laughs> you. Right. Right. But, but the truth is the flip yeah. side like, God is using people who have weaknesses and brokenness right and he's bringing people to them right. so
1: why wouldn't we? No, that's spot on. That that's spot on. And that's what he says. Here are the qualifications in 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven to 29, right? Jesus is the foolish, yes. the weak, the base things. It's like, if you don't see yourself as this, then you're not qualified <laughs> to be chosen, which is backwards. That's exactly oh, what you're yeah. saying. Then, then how we really see things, we think we need to be strong and wise and uh, above other people to be qualified, which is actually so the opposite.
0: They have King Saul right. and have King David, two right. very different Kings. Yes. Is there anything different that draws you to David now versus when you were younger? Um, I think uh, being a pastor, uh, absolutely. Um,
1: I think it's different, you know, learning about David being, you know, freshly saved. Uh, and and just understanding his heart after God, but but now being a pastor and, and looking at him as that spiritual authority and that that king in the kingdom, uh, a lot more things apply. I think as far as leadership go. Mm-hmm. So so now I look at that, and, and one thing I loved about David is he was never trying to hold on to his position. You yes. know, he was willing to let it go. He knew it wasn't his position to hold on to. It was God's position to give and take as He pleased. So I think now it, even. And recently, as we were going, we've been going through first and second Samuel, well, that's been the the ongoing theme. Like, hey, don't get comfortable. You know, like God could take it away from you any moment. You know, you do the best that you can, but it's God's position. You know, you as a pastor, that's God's position to give or take as he sees fit.
0: Yeah. And in every other situation of life, just hold on to it loosely. Right. Because God gave it to you. you exactly. You don't have to grasp and yeah, cling on to on. it. Spot on. And that reminds me of Saul. Mm-hmm. When, uh Samuel says, hey, look, God's rejected you from being king. And what does he do? He, he grabs yeah, the exactly. cloak of Saul. It's at Samuel, yeah, And it tears. Right. It's right. holding Samuel on just, to the kingdom. Yeah. yeah. And Samuel just instantly sees a parable like, oh, right. yeah, the kingdom's going to be torn. Right. Right. That's so, so classic. So yeah, cool. it's
1: perfect. That's spot on. The differences between the two holding on versus opening Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, so you mentioned uh, you're teaching Samuel mm-hmm. um, at, at Coffee Chapel Learning Springs That's yeah. on Wednesday nights. Right. Correct. Okay. Right. So you're midweek study, you're going through that book verse by verse. Mm-hmm. What has. Samuel, uh, taught you what, what, what's the message you're taking out of that in your life?
1: Um, so I would say, you know, both first and second Samuel, cause we know in the Hebrew it's one book, right? It's Samuel, yeah, I always have that. Right, right. Samuel. It okay. is. Yeah. That's what it is originally. <laughs> um, uh, I think one of the huge, uh, the huge lessons is the, the, the heart after God thing. And, and with the heart after God, we could go so deep into that. But, but what does that actually look Like, like, you know, my desires are truly God's desires for me, for my people, whatever the case may be. And if I truly have that heart after God, it's going to lead me to that place of surrender. It all starts with that heart after God, because if my heart is truly after God, I'm not holding on to my position. Uh, I don't look as God uh, look to God as a means to get me to a position. Uh, I look at, at God as the goal. He He is the goal. It's not about uh, using God to fulfill my agenda. If my If my heart is truly after God, regardless Regardless of what happens, whether uh, King Saul's throwing spears or trying to kill us or our son Absalom is, is trying to take over the kingdom. It's like if my heart's after God, no matter what happens in this world, whatever circumstances play themselves out, like I know God's got me and and, and I trust him and, and he'll make all things things work out together for good. So I think that's the... The, the heart after God, connected to surrender, I think, is really the core of everything that else that happens in Samuel.
0: So, so what it looks like to have a heart after God yeah. is surrender. Yeah, is what you're saying,
1: among it's, other things, okay. right, right, <laughs> well,
0: right. <laughs> so it really boiled down yeah. to to letting go. Right. So that, that of course, reminds me because um, Samuel says that you know uh, your kingdom Saul shall not continue, but the Lord has sought out a man after His own heart and then of course when samuel goes to anoint david um he samuel's told um but the lord said to samuel do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature because i've rejected him for the lord does not see as a man sees but man looks on the outward appearance but the lord looks on the heart
1: yes that's right on that i think that's the really the central theme of the whole the whole book um uh both you know looking at that and hmm. and and David being the the man after God's own heart and how how God continues to come through over and over and over again Saul's story is very different than David's Absalom's story is very different than hmm. David's and, and what separated them um it's that the heart after God and God continuing to redeem David's life. Uh, not that David didn't have consequences. He had serious consequences for the decisions that he made when he dishonored God. But but God continued to redeem him simply because he had a heart after him. He, he was real with him. He was transparent. He was surrendered to him. Um, generally speaking, there was times we see where David doesn't appear to be trusting the Lord, right? Yes. Uh, deceiving
0: different people. This is what's like so that. great about yeah, it because yeah. he, re- he reflects us. Right. We want to be true. that man after God's in heart, but we know very painfully that we're not always like that. right absolutely like, oh, wow even david
1: right and then he always goes back to it though he always comes back to the mm-hmm. lord and like, recognizing his flaws and, oh man i was i wasn't surrendered or i wasn't trusting or i was doing things my way and then i made a mistake i'm going back to what i know my heart has to be after god so
0: yeah yeah so what is your favorite passage about david to teach
1: uh favorite man that's a didn't think about that one. Uh, <laughs> the favorite passage to teach. Um, <laughs> there's so many things going on in my mind. Or maybe
0: you got two or three. Yeah, you know, like if we were. You know,
1: one of the things, like one of my favorite things about uh, David, as far as you know, a passage to teach. David and Goliath is always an awesome one. Um, but I'm but not going to use that. F- one. You fear it's
0: cliche. Yeah, it's cliche.
1: <laughs> you know, I I think. You see so much of David in the reality of that heart after God sustained at the end of his life. When Absalom comes after him again, uh, or sorry, you know, another king uh, comes after him. Absalom raises himself up. He steals the throne. And and David, because he's so genuine, even after all of these years of being king, uh, he's so genuinely concerned for his people. That he doesn't allow a civil war to happen in Jerusalem because he doesn't want Jerusalem to be destroyed. Uh, he doesn't take the Ark of the Covenant with him. He sends it back. He wants what's best for the people. And, and one of the awesome things also about that is we know that God shaped David as his man, as the future king of Israel in the wilderness when, when David was fleeing from Saul. But David didn't outgrow the wilderness, meaning that it wasn't like one time around the wilderness was enough. Even in his old age, God had a work to do and he needed to bring him back to the wilderness because he wasn't done with this King yet. And it's just so humbling to recognize. It's not like we're ever going to be at that place when we're older and like, We've made it. We're a seasoned saint. No, God, He takes us through the wilderness time and time and time and time again to perfect us. But David wasn't above that. He, he recognized, hey, God's taking me back to the wilderness. If He wants to take the kingdom, or He needs to produce something in me, uh, whatever the case is, I'm going to trust God. So recognizing that that He wasn't above the trials, He wasn't above testing from God. That that God even towards the end of David's life had a work to do in him. So that's one of my favorites for sure.
0: That's. Such a powerful passage. And he said, it says, we are not seasoned saints. Right. Rather, we're saints who go through seasons. Yeah, that's a good one. That's I mean, a great way to put it. That's yeah, a great reading, way to put it. Um, we, we might go back to the wilderness at times. Yeah. Not, not necessarily because we've failed, but because God has something more to teach us. Absolutely. There's another level of leadership. Right. Or growth or maturity to reach. Right. Uh, I thought that's just such a powerful insight there. That yeah, he w- he he went through the wilderness under King Saul. Yeah, suffered dodging spears and being slandered and being withheld from his true calling of being king. Right. And yet through all that, it makes David the king he is. But then even when he's a king, it's not like well I've arrived. i Right. Just kind of coast through the rest right. of this. God's like, dude, there's <laughs> one more chapter left. Right. And you need to be prepped for this. Yeah, that's so right. Get off it's the throne spot again. on. Yeah. I mean, that's powerful. Wild. That, that of course, uh, comes to the heart of a book you and I both have read mm-hmm. more than once, more <laughs> than three times, <laughs> right. maybe more than four, maybe. Um, A Tale of Three Kings. Now, many listeners have heard me um, talk about this book more than once, but uh, here we actually come to the passages of the Bible where this book takes place. Yes. And um, I just what What is it about this book that causes someone like you, someone like me, to return to it again and again? I
1: think uh, a lot of it is you know um there's always room for growth. It, it, obviously, some of it is just the writing and how it's portrayed in that play type setting. That's just intriguing. But the lessons, yeah. So the book, the book, yeah. It, 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 it takes place like you're watching a play, right? Saying. Right, right. I love that how the book is written, but the message in, in the lessons that we can learn through that over and over again about leadership, regardless of what season you're in. You don't need to be a leader to read a tale of three kings. Absolutely. Uh, the, the first time it spoke to me was actually uh, shortly after I got saved, I was in a ministry called Calvary House and it was a very strict ministry and and you were asked to do some some very difficult things Uh, and the first time I read it, it helped me understand how I'm supposed to respond to authority. I wasn't even looking at it as a leader. I was looking at it as David submitting to the authority of Saul and and, and recognize, hey, whatever this person asked me to do, as long as they're not asking me to sin, I'm called to submit to that authority and God sees that and he's going to honor it. Why? Because when we submit to the authority of man. We're submitting to the authority of God. So I think even in different seasons, it speaks different lessons. Um, again, not, it's not uh, necessarily about being a king. It's about you know submitting to authority and how God uses and chooses broken vessels. Uh, and there's so many other lessons in there, but I think that's what it so is for many. me. There's different things that speak to me uh, more depending on what season I'm in. Um, so those are, those are just a few of the things that I think.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. So for those who aren't familiar with the book, this Mm -hmm. is a book that is under a hundred pages. Easy read. You can read it quick, but I I would suggest you don't. Yeah. Uh, because it's a book you want to absorb. There is... <laughs> every chapter is super short. A page, two pages, three pages at most, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it is very short. And uh, there's like... I think there's 26 chapters. so you can I can't really, remember how many chapters. You go through this in about a month. Take a chapter a day and just soak it in. Um, it's a book that goes through two parts. So like, like Tanner said, um, like you said, it's... It, it feels like a play it draws you in the, the narrator tells you take your seat the right. curtain's rising <laughs> and then there's two parts right. there's the part of David's suffering under Saul and then there's the part two where he is king now but Absalom his own son undermines him yeah yeah so that's uh, that that's how the book goes um, so when Saul's king Saul abuses David right, right. and that's what you're talking about is learning how to submit mm-hmm. even when
1: someone's throwing spears you know, and beating you down and doesn't have your best interest at heart and, and really is. He was out to kill David, and, and yet David was, was still submissive, and he recognized, hey, I can't play the same game as King Saul, right? As he keeps saying, he didn't throw spears back. Uh, David didn't throw spears back. He just right. dodged him, but he was purposed to be a different type of person. Even before he was King, uh, he, he recognized he couldn't do things man's way. He had to do things God's way. And God's way was to submit and endure the brutal beating, really emotionally, physically, all the different things that he walked through, uh, because God actually had his best interest at heart. So he was using the abuse, which is wild, Using the abuse of King Saul to benefit David, not not to to destroy David, but to prepare him uh, to to understand what it means to submit to authority. Because David had to learn to submit to Saul's authority so that he could be a king that knew how to submit to God's authority. Um, and and there's so much there, but it's just so powerful. It, the lessons
0: never get old. Never, yeah. It's so relatable. It, it, it teaches us what everything in our nature doesn't want to do. Yeah. Right. Like the whole sp- spear throwing thing. Yeah. There's this moment in the book where, uh, actually I, I, I pulled it up right here. Yeah. So David had a question. What do you do when someone throws a spear at you? Yeah. Saul just tried to like right. hit him to the wall. Right. right. And, um, it, it goes, does it seem odd to you that David did not know the answer to this question? After all, everyone else in the world knows what you do <laughs> when a spear is thrown at you Why you pick it up and you throw the spear right back. When someone throws a spear at you, David, just wrench it out of the wall and throw it back. Everyone else does, you can be sure. And in performing the small feat of returning thrown spears, you will prove many things. You are courageous, you stand for the right, you boldly stand against the wrong, you are tough and can't be pushed around. You will not stand for injustice or unfair treatment. You are the defender of the faith, keeper of the flame, director of all her... Oh, detector of all heresy. You will not be wronged. All of these attributes then combine to prove that you are also a candidate for kingship. Yes, perhaps you are the Lord's anointed. Than this, after the order of King Saul.
1: Yeah, there's the
0: blow. (laughs) Which is precisely the king we don't want to be. Right. Which is what you were saying. Um... We will undergo King Saul because god's and I think the book says something like this because yeah. God is dragging King Saul out of our
1: right heart. Oh, and I love that you brought that up that's, that's 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 so spot on he's trying to purge the Saul and David. Uh, which is absolutely necessary because Saul was the people's king. He was mm. the the king that the people wanted, but he wasn't the king that God wanted. They wouldn't wait for the king that mm. God wanted. Um, so to recognize, you know, David, he, he couldn't be just the p- king that the people wanted. He had to be the king that God wanted and in order to become the king that God wanted. God had to purge the king that the people wanted out, out of his
0: heart, right? The King Saul, just as you said yeah was what made David so great was the part that many would never want to go through yeah right like he went through the valley
1: of the shadow of death right yeah, no. I don't think anybody. Uh, if we saw, you know, God's plan for our life, if it's leadership or whatever the case may be, whatever He's preparing for us. But if we saw the trials and the testing and the the loss that we would go through uh, to mold us and shape us and, and raise us up to become the people that we uh, are supposed to become, I don't think any of us would say, "Yeah, I want that." Right? I don't, I want the process. We want might want the result, but <laughs> rarely do we want the process that God. Mm -hmm. Uh, is walking us through, but the process for David was absolutely necessary for him to become the man that God called him to be.
0: Have you ever had
1: spears thrown at you? Um, yes, I definitely would say that I have, um, both, uh, both as a, you know, as a pastor, but also, um, as a, um, As a follower and having people in authority over me, I've had people, uh, do some really messed up things, say some really hurtful things, um, uh, give me what? punishments that I don't believe fit the crime. There's so many different kinds of spears, right? Uh, And there is the reality. It does come back to the book, recognizing, hey, okay, even though uh, I think that I was treated unfairly or I was treated wrong or this punishment when I was uh, under certain people in ministry, it didn't fit the crime, whatever the case may be. But taking that step back and looking at God's sovereignty through the situation. What's God trying to produce in me? Uh, And recognizing He's trying to produce that, that endurance. He's trying to Produce that perseverance, uh, we always have to filter it through the life of Jesus. Jesus was, was treated unfairly uh, so many different times, but, but he endured the cross, despising the shame. Uh, so, so when we look at that, uh, I think the spears that are thrown, they look different uh, earlier in my walk uh, than they do now. But there's always spears. Uh, the enemy throws those fiery darts. You know, it could even be the enemy using people to to beat you down, to bring you to that place that you want to give up, or uh, bring you to that place of of wrath and anger that mm-hmm. you want to lash out. And you said this to me, or you did this to me, so I'm going to do it to you, or I'm going to say it to you. But as we see throughout the book, that's not the way uh, of King David, because that's not the way of the Lord.
0: How how do you? Not throw spears
1: back. Um, I wouldn't say that I never threw spears back. <laughs>
0: well, I, didn't, I didn't ask if you ever did. <laughs> yeah, but I know, um, I know because because of the maturity and what God's doing in your life, there there has been a season when you didn't throw it back. Right, correct. And that's made you who you are. Yes.
1: How, yeah. How um, did you do that? I think it's it, a, a lot of it, even in the beginning, those initial spears was from reading that book and having that perspective uh, and hammering home that submission to authority. Uh, we had a saying at Calvary House, it, it, uh, no matter what you were asked to do, sometimes they'd say, Hey, dig a hole here for a tree. And then they'd say, ah, that's not a good spot. Dig a hole over here. <laughs> oh, oh no. that's not a good spot. dig it back <laughs> over here. Um, and, and it wasn't just trying like, them trying to bully you, they were trying to hammer home that submission to authority in you, that no matter what you're asked to do, do it. We had a saying, um, Yes, sir. No problem. That's it. What you said. No matter what you were asked, yes sir. no problem, and just do it, even if it's the most ridiculous thing. Uh, and and learning that 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 God is ultimately in control, and He's placed this authority figure in my life. So that's what's helped me to be able to dodge the spears and go away. Yeah. God's allowing these things to happen for my benefit. He, he's not just trying to beat me down. He's actually trying to build me up. Um, and as I submit to the authority of man, uh, I'm I'm bringing honor to God. God and, and God's going to see that and he's going to use it. And, uh, he is using it to prepare me for, uh, for whatever happens in the future. It's so easy for us, especially in ministry, when you're pouring your heart out into people and you're investing into people. And, um, sometimes they, uh, they throw spears at you or, 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 or question you or, or undermine you or whatever the case may be. Um, and And sometimes that can hurt, but uh I think one of the challenges is to. Uh, and you know, not take everything so personally. To recognize, regardless of what this person said, God's in control. It reminds me of Shimei. You remember Shimei, the guy that was a descendant of Saul, and when David was throwing rocks, yeah, he was, throwing rocks, yeah, he was yeah. throwing rocks at David. He was cursing David, and Abishai says, "David, let me go cut his head off." Right? And David's like, "No, no, no. You know, what if the Lord sent him to <laughs> to throw these spears? Right? Oh, what if the Lord sent him to, to to ridicule me to see how I'll respond? Am I the same?" Uh, Am I the same guy that was referred to as a man after God's own heart or, or have I changed somewhere along the road? So we see the spears being thrown at, um, at David into the end of his life. And it, it, the reason that he was able to accept it is because he recognized God is in control. Uh, what if God sent this person to do this to test me? You know, this is another test to be passed. And I think that's what helps, right? Seeing the sovereignty of God in it. Um, hmm. you know, uh, but yeah.
0: don't, don't you think there's ever a line, though, that is wise to draw, um, in submitting to authority that sometimes, yes, there's authority we don't understand. Right. And it's, it's King Saul. Yeah. Uh, God's put it there for us to learn from. Mm-hmm. But is there ever a time when we have to recognize I don't. I think this leader is unhealthy for me. It's creating damage to me. Um, it's it's abuse. Uh, yeah. Is is there a line we should draw?
1: So I think um, the only way to know that line is through prayer, right? We see throughout the Bible. Okay. So
0: we don't get to choose that. You're saying,
1: right? It's it's up to the Lord, right? In His okay, sovereignty. So it's a prayer. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know, and we could look at a bunch of different situations, but we see throughout the Bible we're called to submit to authority unless that authority asks us to sin. Uh, and we see that in the book of Acts and other places. In Acts chapter 4, remember the Sanhedrin told John and Peter not to preach in the name of Jesus, and they said, we can't do that, ah, right? They, yeah. they, they recognized, no, 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 this is, it's a sin for me not to, to share the gospel, so I must share the gospel. They were compelled to share the gospel. And yet, mm-hmm. when they were punished for it, they submitted to him. right. They endured the punishment. Right. They so did endure the go. punishment. They, they that's what submit. gives you both sides. Right. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. They endured the punishment, but the punishment wasn't them sinning. The people that were punishing them were sinning, but mm-hmm. they 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 submitted uh, to the governing authorities. So mm-hmm. um, so I think it's easy for us to 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 leave a job or to to leave a ministry situation if we just feel like we're being treated unfairly. But suppose God. It has you in that situation because he's trying to do with you what he did with Saul and King David. And if you bail out, you're just going to have to learn less in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that, Hey, you know, uh, there's certain, uh, physically abusive situations or, or certain extreme situations that, yeah, you should, in wisdom, get out of that position. Uh, but that line, again, uh, I think can only be discerned through yes. prayer and recognizing, hey, um, what does God actually want me to do in this situation?
0: So in other words, every king in our life is the king God sent to us. Mm-hmm unless he makes it clear that it's not.
1: Absolutely. It's because good way to I
0: think our nature is to quickly judge, oh, I don't like him, I don't want to serve him. Right. And this is what God is trying to show us through David and Saul. Right. Is, no, no, no. sometimes I'm putting a king you don't like in your life. Right. Because <laughs> I don't want you to be like him.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and what <laughs> often happens is I find uh, with people in conversations and experiences where like, oh, I don't like this specific king or this leader, so I'm going to leave. And then you're just left. But the worst one. Right? Yeah. It's like, "Oh man, I was better off with that person." You know, um, the grass, grass is always greener on the
0: wow, other right side at the same time. Yeah. We're yeah. so <laughs> corny. It's true though. So before we we uh turn away from A Tale of Three Kings, uh I'd like to hear from you, your mm-hmm. favorite part or a favorite quote, something something that really gets you in the book. So you asked me this.
1: Um I, I have a a, a verse there a few sentences that I want to share. There's so many. And I'm, I, I love how you shared the Spears one because that was one of my favorites. I but there
0: truly that. are so many. Yeah, yeah, there are. That was just one. There are so
1: many. He, he's, he talks about this school that, that God oh. has, right? And he says, uh, God has this school because he does not have broken men and women. Instead, he has several other types of people. He has people who claim to have God's authority and don't, people who claim to be broken and aren't, and people who do have God's authority but Who are mad and unbroken, and he has regretfully a great mixture of everything in between. All of these he has in abundance, but broken men and women, hardly at all. And just the challenge of that. And, uh, it, it's so easy. It's natural in us, right? You were talking about it. It's, it, in other words, to rebel against authority and to want to be our own kings. That's in us. That's our sinful nature. We want to rule our own lives. Um, but, but God is, is looking for that broken vessel that, that actually not only submits to authority, but sees the benefit of authority. And he needs to bring us to that place of brokenness. Why? Because He can't fix that which doesn't realize it's broken, right? Mm -hmm. If he's gotta fix something, the thing's gotta realize that it's broken. And we're all broken. It's just whether or not we actually realize it. Um, Saul was a broken man. He just pretended like he was strong, that he, that he was, you know, better than he actually was. But David, Mm -hmm. he embraced his brokenness and that brokenness, uh, uh, God used to build them up and and God took him through different uh levels of 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 brokenness deeper and deeper and deeper brokenness uh it reminds me of Jeremiah 18 with the potter and the clay right um uh, the, the potter didn't like what he saw it got built up the wrong way uh, so so he marred it and, and he started rebuilding it uh, and that's a lifelong process right God bringing us to that place of brokenness so that he could rebuild us that's his school but our school of thought is I want to resist the brokenness I want to pretend that I'm strong I want to pretend that I'm wise I want to pretend that I got everything going on because no, I can't use you unless you realize your state of brokenness and that's the school That he calls all of us to walk through, right? That school Mm. and process of being broken. And and David
0: embraced that school where Saul and Absalom, they didn't. And nobody God uses in the Bible, in history, is used mildly without going through this school. Right, right, exactly. I I feel like, I feel like, um, he says it's a small school, totally. Yes. Um, I, I wonder how many people start the school. But the first day of class, they quit, because (laughs) what happens is you're all in the auditorium, the lecture hall, right? Yeah. And then the door opens up, and here comes your professor. And as he walks up to the lectern, a gasp comes out of everyone's mouths, because they realize, it's King Saul. (laughs) (laughs) I will not have this man be my teacher. Right, right. That's a great point, great illustration. And then some leave, and then maybe by the first test, the rest leave, because what's the first test? He throws a spear at you. <laughs> <laughs> you going to dodge it or throw it back? Or and you? everyone flunks because they throw it back. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, it's a great point. I wonder how that would play out, like, in a church setting, right? And how many people would throw the spear back? Probably the majority, like he says.
0: Well, and, and yeah, and, and you've done it, I've done it. Yeah. And the point is not that once we throw a spear back, we're disqualified, but is that um, we just haven't gotten to the point of learning that that's not the best way. Right. Because, unfortunately, we often have to... We do what the human nature wants to do, and then we're like, Oh, that doesn't work. I'll do what God wants me right. to do. <laughs> no, absolutely. And even David, he was
1: he almost threw a spear. I mean, you could talk about I mean with Uriah or all that. But you remember in I think it's first Samuel twenty five, with Nabal that insulted him? Yes. Uh, oh yeah. and, and he that's a spear. Uh if anything's a spear, that's a spear. Who who is the son of Jesse? Like he's a nobody, right? Well, David wanted to wipe him right, out. Right. David was going to wipe him out. He was <laughs> going to throw the spear back, but thankfully God sent Adam. Abigail gave him all that wisdom, and uh, he recognized that if he made that decision to throw the spear, he would, I mean, let's just say, he he very likely could have prevented himself from becoming the king in general, because what happens if King David is killing all his people? You know, like, can can God justify putting him in that position as king? Mm -hmm. You know, God knew how it was going to all pan out in his sovereignty, but, but that's what abigail's getting at is if you throw that spear at nabal um you're not being the god that, uh, the the man that god has called you to be you're you're being like a king saul would be an illustration there so yeah that's that's we're all prone to do it doesn't mean that it's okay and if we throw a spear one time like you said it's like no it's a lifestyle of, hey recognizing. You, We're you not flunk. called to be a spear, spear throwers, right? You flunk. You yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: you fl- I was going to say, you flunk a class, you can yeah, like re-enlist.
1: Right, no, very good point. So, That's a very good it's point. Just
0: about, God is just, he's like, hey, I got you on this earth for, I don't know, 50, 100 years. Yeah. Just pass eventually. <laughs> right,
1: right, right. <laughs> but exactly. the sooner the better. Yes,
0: no, great point. Um, if If David was to sit in our congregations... What do you think he would say to us and, and, and what do you think he would, uh, what, what, what kind of practical advice do you think King David would give to our congregations? Oh, that's a good one. Um, man,
1: practical advice. Well, you can read most of the songs and see some of the practical advice that, <laughs> that he gives us. Um, But I I think that's a big, a big part of it. It, Okay, you you even look at the New Testament. You know, one of the greatest things that Jesus uh, warned the disciples of in his last week on earth is in Matthew 23, he said, don't be a Pharisee, right? Don't put on the mask. Don't pretend that you're something that you're not. And and just as we were mentioning in the beginning, like that's what separates David from everybody else. Um, All the other Kings was, he was real with God. He was a man after God's own heart. He he wasn't afraid to be vulnerable. He wasn't afraid to dance when people even threw spears at him. He wasn't afraid to get on his face and worship. Um, it, It was like when he was with God, there was no one else in the room and it was between him and the Lord and it wasn't about putting on a front it was about sincere genuine worship and and not just praising with the lips but living it with the life and and that's uh I would think that'd be one of the things like to be sincere be real with God wearing a mask in front of God you know you might be able to fool people for a little bit but you're not fooling God by wearing the mask like he wants you to get real with them. And I think in the church, there's always the tendency because of uh, fear of man to fall into hypocrisy. Uh, I don't want people to know who I really am. So I wear the mask. I, I don't really, if they knew the real me, maybe they wouldn't like me or they wouldn't talk to me or they wouldn't be friends with me or they wouldn't sit next to me in church. And it's like, no, come, come as you are. And I think that's one of the the central themes that we see in David's life. He came to the Lord as he was in his state of brokenness when things were good, where things were bad. But once again, he, was Authentic, as you mentioned earlier. What about you? What would you? What would you say?
0: Oh man, the
1: table. <laughs> oh, that's a
0: really good question. I wasn't either. Um, that's a
1: really good question.
0: I would think. Well, you know, um, I was. I was actually this morning before I came to meet with you. Um, I, w- I was preparing. So I don't know what. I don't know when we're going to air this episode, but I was preparing for the message in um, for Samuel 16 and gotcha. 17 when when David's anointed. And, um, so, you know, Samuel comes to the house of Jesse, Right. sees the seven sons prayed before him. None of these are the right King. And then like, do you have another son? And I can imagine the parents look each other kind of embarrassed. Like, like well, uh. here's David, <laughs> Yeah. Right. But he's, he's a shepherd. Yeah. So, well, it could take a few days to get him here. Well then I've got no time to, I've got all the time in the world. Samuel <laughs> right. plops down on their sofa and waits, you right, know, right, right. David comes in, um, anoints him what was striking me was, and as I was reflecting, like the first chapter of this book of Tale of Three Kings is how David spent his time as a shepherd. Yes. Loneliness, boredom, isolation. Mundane. Yes. (laughs) No one talks back to you. Well, that's sometimes a good thing. But no one to talk with. Um, But what he does is he's writing songs. Yeah. He's singing. He's practicing his, um, his uh, sling. Um, He's he's battling bears. Yeah. He's learning... um, What humans and sheep have in common and how to lead them. (laughs) So in other words, like what God was telling me this morning was, I think, so just to kind of recast what he told me is, if David was to be in front of me, he would say, when you're bored, when you're lonely, use that time wisely. Yeah. Like, however you can. Don't just wait and twiddle your thumbs. God, make me king one day. Right. No, do what you can now.
1: Right. No, that's so spot on. And I remember when I was I was teaching that with this shepherd a while, I think it was last year, um, in First Samuel, Samuel chapter 16 and 17, um that I was thinking about a very similar thing. He found intimacy with the Lord in the mundane, uh, cause shepherding sheep, I've had the privilege to shepherd sheep on no several way. occasions. Uh, and, uh, it's not, there's usually not bears and lions. Okay. Occasionally, you know, even at, we've done it in California too. We had coyotes come after him, but the, the, there's not a lot of excitement. <laughs> you know, if something comes after them that's exciting But that. Those situations happen very rarely. So David mentions the bear and the lion, but that's not the norm. Okay. The norm is, okay. I could just sit here and twiddle my thumbs or I could make the most of it. He was able to find intimacy with the Lord in the mundane. And, and we look at the Lord, you know, he's not, he's not, looking at just all the big things that we do. He's, he's looking at the little things yes. because if we can find them in the little things, if we can find him in the big things. Um, and didn't did
0: Jesus say something that if you're faithful to little right. people, then God knows now, okay, you're ready to be king. Right. You do the little things. Well, right,
1: exactly. You
0: can't, you can't defeat Goliath with a, it's not a lucky shot. Right. Exactly. David obviously did that shot. 10, yeah. Thousand times, he right? made
1: the most of his time. It's yeah. such a good point. It's spot on.
0: Yeah. Um, Actually, that that was just this morning. I think if, if you didn't ask me today, on another day, I would have answered. Um, David would tell us to sing psalms. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know. What else to, I mean, I, I mean, I think I don't know if we all need to be told that or not. But, yeah, man, I think sometimes we do a great psalter. Yeah, and and it's it it backs up what you said that David speaks to his authenticity. Yeah, don't be a hypocrite because the psalms are not. Hypocritical, right? They take the mask off and even say, "God just kill them." Like, yeah. whoa, you can't bring that. <laughs> right. What's
1: going on here? Right, but he's real. It was on, it was on his heart. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I think uh, getting your rhythm, your dance, in step with the rhythm of the psalms. Yeah, that's
1: that's a great point.
0: Well, uh, Pastor Tanner, thank you very much.
1: It was uh, it was very beneficial for me. So, thank you for letting me be a part.
0: From a Tale of Three Kings by Jean Edwards Two generations after the reign of Saul, a young man enthusiastically enrolled himself into the ranks of Israel's army under a new king, the grandson of David. He soon began hearing tales of David's mighty men of valor. He set out to discover if one of those mighty men might still be alive and, if so, to find him and talk to him though he calculated that such a man would be over a hundred years in age. At last, he discovered that, sure enough, one such man still lived. Having learned of his whereabouts, the youth hastened to his dwelling. Anxiously, if not hesitantly, he knocked on the door. Slowly, it opened. There stood a giant of a man, gray, no, white-haired, "'and wrinkled beyond expectation. "'Are you, sir, one of David's mighty men of long ago? "'One of those men of whom we have heard so much?' "'For a long moment, the man surveyed the young man's face, "'his features, his uniform. "'Then, in an ancient but firm voice, he replied, "'never taking his steady gaze off the young man's face.' If you are asking if I am a former thief and cave-dweller, and one who followed a sobbing, hysterical fugitive, then yes, I was one of the mighty men of David. He straightened his shoulders with those last words. Nonetheless, his sentence ended in a chuckle. But, sir, you make a great king sound like a weakling. Was he not the greatest of all rulers?' He was no weakling, said the old man. Then, sizing up the motivation of the eager young man's presence at his door, he replied wisely and softly. Nor was he a great leader. Then what, good sir? For I have come to learn the ways of the great king and his uh, mighty men. What was the greatness of David? I see you have the ambitions typical of youth said the old warrior. I have the distinct notion you dream of leading men yourself one day. He paused, then continued reflectively. Yes, I'll tell you of the greatness of my king, but my words may surprise you. The old man's eyes filled with tears as he thought first of David and then of the foolish new king only recently crowned. I will tell you of my king and his greatness. My king never threatened me as yours does. Your new king has begun his reign with laws, rules, regulations, and fear. The clearest memory I have of my king, when we lived in the caves, is that his was a life of submission. Yes, David showed me submission, not authority. He taught me not the quick cure of rules and laws, but the art of patience. That is what changed my life. Legalism is nothing but a leader's way of avoiding suffering. Rules were invented by elders so they could get to bed early. Men who speak endlessly on authority only prove they have none. And kings who make speeches about submission only betray twin fears in their hearts. They are not certain they are really true leaders sent of God. And they live in mortal fear of a rebellion. My king spoke not of submitting to him. He feared no rebellion. Because he did not mind if he was dethroned. David taught me losing, not winning, giving, not taking. He showed me that a leader, not the follower, is inconvenienced. David shielded us from suffering. He did not meet it out. He taught me that authority yields to rebellion, especially when that authority is nothing more dangerous than immaturity or perhaps stupidity. The old man was obviously remembering some very tense and perhaps humorous episodes in the caves. No, he said, now in a voice with a touch of eloquence. Authority from God is not afraid of challengers, makes no defense, and cares not one whit if it must be dethroned. That was the greatness of the great of the true king. The old man began to walk away. Both anger and regal patience were evident in his bearing as he turned. Then he faced the youth once more, thundering one last salvo. As for David having authority, men who don't have it talk about it all the time. Submit! Submit! That's all you hear. David had authority. But I don't think that fact ever occurred to him. We were 600 no-goods with a leader who cried a lot. That's all we were. Those were the last words the young soldier heard from the old warrior. Slipping back into the street, he wondered if he would ever again be happy serving under Rehoboam. And now for our preview. So we just finished 1 Samuel. We'll be entering 2 Samuel this upcoming week. As said before, 1 and 2 Samuel are actually one work in the Hebrew Bible, just known as Samuel. We have them in two pieces because each fills the length of a scroll. So the Jews, when they had scrolls, would have had Samuel in two parts. But they saw it as an an entire work. So, I've often referred to it just simply as Samuel. So as we finished 1 Samuel, we'll be entering 2 Samuel. 1 Samuel looked a lot at King Saul and David's suffering under him. 2 Samuel will now look at King David and his reign and how he's the greatest king of Israel because of what he went through in 1 Samuel. And if we think that David's sufferings in 2 Samuel are gone, you're wrong. His son will rise up against him next Absalom. And he would have to practice yet again the art of letting go of his throne. And this happens because David sins with Bathsheba. He takes her. Uh, we may even say he rapes her. It doesn't say that, but we don't necessarily see consent. And what is a young lady to do when the king wants you? Um, I think it's fair to say that he rapes her. And that sets Forth a downward spiral for David. Um, yet he still rec- recognized as one of the greatest because that was his that was his downfall. That right there. So as you read Second Samuel and the chapters that come up, uh, we're going to see God's love for David, David um, as a good king. But then we're going to see that David does have his flaws, like every one of us. And that that friends is the encouragement as we read Second Samuel. It's that even the greatest king of Israel had. Merely human flaws. He's a mere mortal. David was not good with his kids. He was not a very good father to them. And that uh, is also in part why Absalom is able to revolt. Uh, so the encouragement there is that um, becoming great in God's kingdom has nothing to do with being flawless. And I don't just mean, I think we all understand that sin is going to come and go, but um, just even flaws within your ability to do things. David couldn't father very well. Um, And ordinarily we would see someone like that and say, well, you need to man up to your role. Um, but David was good in other things, and he wasn't a horrible father, but he just seemed to have a hard time. One can imagine that the king doted on his children a little too much, like like the king could see no wrong in his princes um, so he just he didn't he didn't father in a way that would raise them to be good kings but but one slipped through the cracks, as you 'll see in first kings, Solomon who, by the way, was the byproduct of David and Bathsheba. Hope you enjoy reading Second Samuel. This is Pastor Brandon with grace and gratitude. Thanks for listening.